You are listening to The Whole Church Podcast. Our efforts to educate and unite the church are made possible thanks to our sponsors on Patreon. Please consider joining them for $3 a month at patreon.com forward slash The Whole Church Podcast. Zechariah 3, 8-10 reads, Now listen, Joshua, you high priest, you and your friends who are sitting in front of you, indeed they are men who are assigned, for behold, I am going to bring in my servant, the branch. For behold, the stone that I have put before Joshua, on one stone are seven years. Behold, I am going to engrave an inscription on it, declares the Lord of armies, and I will remove the guilt of that land in one day. On that day, declares the Lord of armies, every one of you will invite his neighbor to sit under his vine and under his fig tree. Um, Sitting under my vine and fig tree, people might know that from Hamilton with George Washington. I don't know how many people know that that's actually a Bible verse. Um, William, the angel of the Lord here is encouraging the high priest Joshua. What significance does this piece of scripture have for our leaders today? You know, as I as I read this and I hear this, I think about how so often God speaks to leaders so that they will model and encourage those they lead. They receive a word from God first, and then they lead out in encouraging the people and in modeling for the people what it is that God desires for them. It starts with a leader. Hey everybody, welcome to the Whole Church Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Joshua Knoll, here with the one and only, the best co-host of them all, Tiberius Juan Blackwell. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to be here. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, sort of been a while. It's been a week since we recorded, a week, two weeks since we recorded. Anyway, um, for those who don't know, Tiberius Juan is TJ. I forgot to say TJ, Tiberius Juan Blackwell. So yeah, TJ. <laughs> Um, All right, and we're joined here with a prestigious guest today, William Attaway. You know, yeah, he is the author of Catalytic Leadership, 12 Keys to Becoming an Intentional Leader Who Makes a Difference. Uh, We're going to be talking about his book, some of his ministry, really excited to get into it. Um, Welcome to the show, Will, or William. Thanks thanks so much for having me. It's an honor to be with you guys. Honor to have you. Consider rating us on Apple Podcast or Spotify. Uh, we love being judged by others. It's great. <laughs> Try it out. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, really excited to talk about leadership and how that relates to church unity is going to be our main topic of the day. But before we do, my favorite form of unity, and all of our listeners know, it's something, um, it, it's literally impossible to argue when you're just being silly enough. If you're silly enough, you cannot argue. So we like to start with a silly question. And today's silly question, and as as always, uh, TJ and I are going to answer first, give you time to think about it, William. Today's silly question, what would be the silliest animal to replace the shark in Jaws with? And I forgot that I wrote this question. So TJ, would you like to go first? I can, yeah, but I have a question. Okay. Uh, Does the animal get sized up to where it like would make sense that it's destroying boats and eating people what whatever silliest you know okay i choose a kangaroo mouse uh you might have seen clips on them on animal planet it's just a little bitty mouse that hops around like it's a kangaroo <laughs> that's, that's why they named it. it the kangaroo mouse 
would it be sized up or would you keep it tiny? Either one. Both. It can do both. Okay. So you are directing this as uh, the silly version of Spielberg. Yeah, it's magic. Yeah. Um, hmm. Hmm. This this is actually a really tough one. Just thinking of what the... I'm going to go with a painted lady butterfly. That's going to be my Jaws. And it will not be scaled up. It will remain tiny and continue to do the exact same things that Jaws did. Because magic. That's why. Is All right, William. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. Okay. It's a butterfly that can swim. William, what would be the silliest animal to replace the shark in Jaws with? You know, I think I'm going to go with a snail. Just a simple <laughs> garden variety snail. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I certainly would chuckle <laughs> if they released a film with a snail eating ships. With the music. Right. Yeah. With the music. Yeah. 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 Has yeah. to have the music. Absolutely. I think it fits. You know, usually there's like a, a right answer for the silly question, but this one, this one's good. You have a lot of answers for this one. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good options here. Yeah, but on to the real show. Uh, one thing we found that is really helpful for Church Unity is to hear one another's story. Uh, would you mind sharing your testimony with us and our listeners? Sure. You know, I grew up going to church. Uh, my parents, I grew up in Alabama uh, and church there was part of the culture right? That doesn't mean that you had a relationship with Jesus. It just meant that you went to church. And that was my story. I grew up going to church, hearing the stories. And uh, when I was nine years old uh, at vacation Bible school, I walked down the aisle and got wet along with a bunch of other kids. I met Jesus when I was 20. And I was working uh, and rooming with a couple of other guys. And one of those, one of my roommates was a believer and he would ask me questions from time to time about faith and about Jesus. And I knew the right answers. I mean, I had been in church long enough. I could, I could give you the right answers and feed them back to you. But he recognized that there was no relationship there, that it was, that it was information without transformation. And so one day he, he asked me something. I, don't, I forget what it was. And I gave him another answer. And he looked at me and he said, with love, you know, I think, I think you either need to get serious about your faith or quit pretending that you have some. And that was it. And I thought, wow, like that was, that's harsh, kind of a jerk move. Uh, but, <laughs> but really I will be forever grateful for that because that was the moment that I was confronted with the reality of what I did not have. And so that started a series of conversations over the next year. And through those conversations, uh, I met Jesus and everything changed in my life from that point. But it started with somebody who was willing to speak the truth in love. Yeah, we asked on um, our Facebook group today, actually, what one trait people would find most valuable in a leader. And um, backbone was the first answer. There you go. And that's, uh, that's what I'm thinking of. I'm like, man, yeah, that, that took guts. It did. It did. Because, I mean, you know, you could lose a friend. You could lose a roommate. I mean, this oh, yeah. is, this, there's a risk factor there. But he wasn't going to let that stop him from doing what the Holy Spirit prompted him to do. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, it's pretty similar to part of my testimony so oh yeah that's uh i can relate yeah good friends good friends are really the key sometimes indeed so true so one thing we like to do every so often to help our listeners get an idea of our guests beliefs is our speed round segment which uh round of applause haven't done this for a while it's back <laughs> uh best segment on the show 
Uh, we're just going to ask you a series of questions that we ask, and we need you to try and answer in one sentence or less. And we aren't allowed to ask any follow-up questions. That's a Josh rule. Can it be a Pauline <laughs> run-on sentence? Yep. As long as it's a sentence. Pauline run-on. <laughs> as long as it's a sentence, I was going to say grammatically correct, but we don't, you know. <laughs> if it's just a run-on, that's fine. But uh, do you think you're ready? Fire away. What is the significance of baptism? Baptism is a symbol of the transformation that happens when you receive Jesus. And does, you are buried with Christ in baptism and raised to new life. Does your church practice baby baptism? No, we practice family dedications. What do you believe about biblical inerrancy? I believe scripture is the inspired word of God. Uh, do you believe in a literal seven-day creation? The text of Genesis in the original language does not say that, so I'm going to go with what Scripture says. Do you believe in the continuation of the gifts of the Spirit? Yes. Does your church practice speaking in tongues? Not in our public worship service. Do you believe in a pre, mid, or post-tribulations reading of Revelations? I'm actually a historical preterist. Are you more Calvinist or Arminian? Arminian. How many, if any, of the seven sacraments does your church practice? We practice baptism. Uh, we practice communion, which is not the Eucharist, but um, we'll let, I assume that one can slide through. <laughs> um, we, uh, the elders will anoint the sick when requested to do so. We do celebrate marriage, and I think that's it. Hmm. All right. That's yeah. it. Let's hear it for the speed round. Yeah, I I forget how difficult it is to not ask follow-up questions. <laughs> I'm over here like having to bite my tongue. My tongue's going to be bleeding the rest of this episode. It's fine. Just pray That's through. Josh rule. Oh. It's a good rule. <laughs> oh, man. So earlier Should you this get year, one? Should you get one follow-up? No. No? No. I, I wouldn't be able to stop. That's the problem. <laughs> Oh, man. So earlier this year, you published a pretty interesting book titled Catalytic Leadership, 12 Keys to Becoming an Intentional Leader Who Makes a Difference. Yes, we've said that title before. And yes, we will say it again so that you, listener, will remember to check it out. Catalytic Leadership, 12 Keys to Becoming an Intentional Leader Who Makes a Difference by William Attaway. What can you tell us about the story that inspired this newest book? Now, I went to my first leadership conference when I was 15 years old. I had a teacher, high school teacher, who saw something in me that I did not see in myself. And he invited me to go. And I went and I, I was captivated by the stories of leaders and the effect that leadership has in pretty much any context. And I was hooked. I became a student of leadership then. And for over three decades now, I've been a student of leadership. I've read, I've listened, I've sought out leaders that I could interview and ask questions. Um, and in my own leadership journey, uh, I've learned a number of things about leadership. For the last 20 plus years, I've coached leaders in government, in academia, in nonprofit, in church, in business, solopreneurs, mm -hmm. entrepreneurs. And in all of my coaching clients, I've seen similar threads. 
that are true no matter your context when it comes to leadership. So what I've tried to do in the book is capture those threads and say, hey, these, these principles apply no matter your context. The term catalytic leadership is one that I coined based on my own journey. When I, was, when I went to college, I went as a pre-pharmacy major at first because uh, I'd worked in a pharmacy in high school. And I thought this was a great way to help people, very practical way. Got to organic chemistry and decided that this is really not what I want to do for the rest of my life. It's and true. so I, uh, I just, you know, changed gears. But in my brief chemistry studies, I learned the power of a catalyst. And a catalyst is something that you introduce to incite or accelerate significant change that makes an impact. And I thought when I read that, wow, that's that's like so many great leaders. In fact, every great leader I'd ever studied or worked for or learned from would be described as catalytic. They accelerate or incite significant change to make an impact. And that's what these principles are all about. How do you develop and grow as a leader in order that you can do that? So that's what I've tried to capture in the book. All right. Yeah. yeah and so I know we don't like to state our stance on the show a lot, uh, but the whole church podcast is very firmly anti-organic chemistry. That's just <laughs> not true. Well done. <laughs> I was about to say my story is almost opposite of how I got out of science because I barely squeezed through regular chem, took organic chem, fell in love with organic chemistry. Whoa. I then discovered that I just don't like all of the other stuff around it. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to do all of these other classes. If I could just take organic chemistry, I would have been okay. Inorganic chemistry but is worse. That's yeah. I didn't want to do that. There was, there's like C chemistry I had to take. And there was like, all, like all these other physical sciences, physics. I'm terrible at physics, but both organic chemistries. I did great at, I love those. I just don't want to do wow. any of the other things. Um, what, what is, what is a catalyst? Since we're talking science, does anybody want to, I don't. I don't care who, <laughs> TJ. If you want to take that one, you can. He already, he already said it. Okay, I guess <laughs> he did define a catalyst. I, I, I guess I missed that. So, a catalyst, basically, it, it it allows the what you said. It allows the equation to happen easier. It it lessens the jump you have to make to make mm -hmm. something happen. How would you say a catalytic leader or catalytic leadership is different from just you know regular Christian leadership, or is it the same thing? I think catalytic leadership is focused around seeing significant change happen, right? So often we think of leaders as people who make things happen. But my experience in 25 years of church ministry has been that often leadership in the church does not look like that. Uh, leadership looks like something else. Uh, too often, leadership looks like acquiescence. It looks like mediocrity. It looks like maintenance. I would argue that's not leadership. I would argue that's something else. I think that we are called to be catalytic leaders, to see significant change happen. That's what we are called to do. That's what I think it means to be salt and light. Uh, mm -hmm. Salt and light don't make a minimal impact. They make a significant impact. Light drives back darkness, right? Salt mm -hmm. brings out flavor. That's our job. Uh, that's that's our role. Is it possible for a preacher to not be called to leadership in the sense that, like, are there people who are, you know, gifted speakers who weren't necessarily meant to be in a leader role like that? 
Absolutely. One church I attended when I was in seminary actually had split the role we typically think of as a lead pastor, had split mm-hmm. it. And one person was responsible for communication, the teaching role. One person was responsible for the leadership and administration role because that's how they were gifted. And this is yeah. this is one reason among many that I point people to the scriptures about spiritual gifts and talk about how we need to operate according to our gifts, not according to cultural or historical expectations around what this should look like. I think when people operate in their gifts, they're operating how God wired and called them. And that's going to benefit everybody. If you have somebody that you force to operate outside their gifting, not only is that going to frustrate everybody around them, think about a non-teacher teaching. That's not pleasant for anyone involved. (laughs) Okay, so It's really not. It's not. But if you have people operating in their gifting, well, now, now everybody benefits from that. Yeah. That's another problem science classes and colleges have. Too many scientists are there to do research and they just have to teach. Uh-huh. And they are bad at it. Yes. <laughs> yes. No teaching gift is not a good place for a teacher to be. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some people love studying the Bible. Shouldn't talk, shouldn't teach it necessarily. But so how can good leadership help the church maintain church unity better? If if the goal of a leader is to leverage the gifts and resources for the benefit of the whole, which I think it is. If my goal as a leader is then to to pour into and invest in other people for their benefit, to help the organization to advance, then I think about unity in the context of what is the mission of the church? What's our purpose? Why do we exist? I mean, Jesus pretty much gave that to us. (laughs) We don't have to look very far for it. So, If good leaders then are focused on that, and we're focused on pouring into and empowering people to use their gifts to accomplish that, unity is going to happen. It's when we take our eyes off the main thing, and we start focusing instead on my preferences, my desires, how I think things should go. That's when we get into trouble. Yeah. So, can one become a catalytic leader? Is it just something you're you're born as, or do you become that? I think you become that. I think there is a spiritual gift of leadership. Paul writes about this in Romans 12. And if you've been given the gift of leadership, he says, then lead with all diligence. Well, diligence is something that you do. That involves mm-hmm. effort and work. And this is one of the reasons I talk and teach that, that gifts don't arrive fully developed. And if you question that, I would invite you to go back and listen to a sermon you can no longer listen to because I've made sure all copies have been destroyed (laughs) of my very first sermon, right? You listen to that. One of my top gifts is teaching. But boy, that gift did not arrive fully developed. (laughs) That was really rough. It takes diligence to develop your gifts. Leadership is no different. If you've been given the gift of leadership, then you need to develop that. You need to pour into that. And and what I've tried to do in the book is give 12 ways that you can develop as a catalytic leader in very specific and actionable ways, because I want to help leaders get better. The fact is, every one of us has a next step toward getting better as a leader. I don't care how long you've been leading. You could be leading for 60 years. You've got a next step. Yeah. What's that? Second uh, Timothy 1.6. So it says, uh, stir up the gift that is in you. That's it. Yeah. Um. There's 12 steps. If you had to pick one that was like the best step or yes. the easiest, either one, which one would you like to share with everybody? It would be the first one, and it's not the easiest, but it is, I think, the one non-negotiable. Okay. If you only hear one. This is the one I want you to hear. 
the cultivation of an intentional, teachable spirit. That's mm-hmm. critical. That is the one non-negotiable for leadership at the church where I serve, where I've been leading for 18 years. One non-negotiable. Everything else we will pour into and invest in and help you and equip you and develop you, but that one is non-negotiable. Yeah. How do you cultivate that? How do you cultivate a teachable spirit? Well, there's a number of ways to do that. The people around you, the books that you read, the podcasts that you listen to, the workshops, the seminars, the conferences you attend, what are the inputs in your life? Right? Are the people around you encouraging you in your humility or are they teaching you something different? So the leader has to have has to be teachable. Yes. Now is it also important that they cultivate that culture around them as well? Absolutely. But people around you are never going to follow what you're not modeling. Hmm. So would you say that the Whole Church Podcast is a good podcast for cultivating an intentional spirit? Absolutely, Teachable. because what are you doing? What are you doing? But you're inviting people to say, hey, I don't know everything about everything. I want to learn something. So people come, they listen, and they learn. That involves a teachable spirit. It's when you come in and say, I don't need to learn anything. I already know all this. I know everything. They should listen to me. Mm. There's a problem. And I think too often in the church, that is precisely the attitude that we see. All right. You heard it here yeah. first. Whole church, William Attaway approved. <laughs> Stand a little approved. badge. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I had something else <laughs> that just completely distracted me. Oh, man. That's funny. I, yeah. Okay. How, how does having these kind of, cultures within our church and having this kind of intentionality on leaders, not just have unity within individual churches, but is there a way that that could impact our ability to have unity across denominations even? Again, I think it starts with a teachable spirit. And if we do that, if we walk into every situation saying, God, what do you want to teach me here? Because I think you can learn from anybody. Uh Sometimes you learn what not to do. (laughs) Really? But that can be incredibly valuable. Right? That teaches me the ditches I want to avoid. But it involves the spirit you approach it with. If you yeah. walk into your situation or your circumstance or walk into a conversation or a relationship thinking, well, they can learn from me. Yeah, you've mm-hmm. already lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They say a, a wise man learns or a smart man learns from his own mistakes. A wise man learns from the mistakes of others. Yes. Yes. Brilliant. Because I'm not going to live long enough to make all the mistakes myself. Mm -mm. Although I'm not if you have to make them all yourself. (laughs) I'm pretty good at it though. (laughs) Yeah, I learn a lot from watching Josh. Yeah, Yeah. I'm just helping TJ to be a a wiser man by making mistakes for him. That is really kind. Yeah, I'm just you know, it's just my spirit. (laughs) Right. It's such a giving spirit. It is. It is. Uh, So. Where can people go to find catalytic leadership, 12 keys to becoming an intentional leader who makes a difference or any of your other work? It's all available on Amazon. Uh, This book and my first book are are there. Uh, The first book I wrote was uh, eight years ago uh, around the minor prophets, uh, leadership principles from the minor prophets. This one you can get, actually, I'd love to offer your listeners a free copy of the book. My goal is to get this into as many hands as I can so people can benefit from this and actually begin to apply it. That's the goal in writing it. Um, if your listeners will go to catalyticleadershipbook.com, 
they can get a free copy, free paperback copy of the book. Uh, all they have to do is cover the cost of shipping so I can get it to them. Uh, but we will get a free copy of the book out to them. Nice. I'll make sure I put that link in the show notes as well. And um, yeah, that's awesome. So if you had to give a single verse about leadership, that's like your key verse for mm. what you focus on, what would it be? Wow. You know, I, I think I used to would have said Romans 12, eight, the verse I said earlier, you know, that if you've been given the gift of leadership then lead with all diligence. And I think that's obviously still applicable and that matters. Yeah. But in recent years, there's a different verse that comes to mind and it's from, it's from Exodus 18, actually. Uh, when Moses yeah. is on his way from, uh, exit from leading the people in the Exodus out of Egypt, they're on their way to Mount Sinai. They're almost there. And who shows up, but his father-in-law Jethro and brings, he brings Moses wife and kids and there's a reunion and everybody's happy mm -hmm. and clapping like seals. And it's fantastic. Right. And, and they're there and they're almost to Mount Sinai and Jethro watches Moses as he is judging and settling disputes among the people from sun up to sundown. He's doing all the work himself. And he does something that really everyone always appreciates, which is he offers unsolicited advice to his son-in-law. And son-in-laws appreciate that the world over, no matter your culture. That's always a, a yeah, a that's just true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he goes to Moses and he says, "What is this you're doing? This is not good. What you're doing is not good." <laughs> Again, something <laughs> everyone loves to hear from their father-in-law, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's fantastic. And what I love is that Jethro comes and he shows Moses a better way. And Moses mm. is humble and teachable enough to listen and to do it. And because of that, because of his humility and his teachable spirit, Moses becomes the leader that we all know now. And I wonder, and this is speculation, but I wonder, had he not, I wonder if Moses would have burned out long before he ever became the Moses that we know. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, that's something to think about. Man. You know, my father-in-law probably won't listen to this, but I, he's an awesome guy. <laughs> Speaking of father-in-laws, yeah. Well said. Yeah, he's yeah. cool. He's yeah. cool. Fun guy. He has a hot tub. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, so that being said, uh, we have one question we like to ask everybody. And... I don't know how to make it applicable to specifically today's topic. I was trying to find a way, but we like to ask everyone if you just had, if you could give a single tangible action, just something practical, people could leave this podcast and just do this thing. Mm -hmm. What thing would help better maintain unity in the church? Oh, that's easy. Cultivate right. an intentional, teachable spirit every day. Make that choice. In every conversation, in every interaction, every time you gather with God's people, walk in with a teachable spirit. If you do that, I think that encourages unity more than anything else. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, what, what do you think we would see change in the church specifically if everyone just had a... I can never remember the order of the words. An intentional teachable, teachable, teachable. spirit. Yeah. Yes. If if people cultivated that, if humility became the watchword and the hallmark of God's people when they gather and when they're in the world, I want you to imagine for just a second what that would look like. If all of a sudden we started approaching people in love and humility, instead of how so often Christians are perceived 
both inside and outside the church, as haughty, arrogant know-it-alls. Imagine if instead we came with humility, with a teachable spirit, acknowledging that, you know what, I'd like to listen to what you have to say before I say a word. Imagine what that would do in the world. Yeah. Crazy stuff. But before we start our outro, uh, we always like to do our God Moment segment. Uh, If this is your first time listening to the show, uh, thank you. Welcome. Uh, This is just where we take a minute to share what all God's been up to with us recently by sharing a blessing, challenge, curse, moment of worship, anything like that. And uh, I always make Josh go first to give myself and our esteemed guests as much time as we need to reflect on our past week or so. Um, so josh do you have a god moment segment for us yeah i like how i've just accepted that this is the way things are now um so recently i i've started started trying to work for myself as a podcast producer and i've had a couple people sign on for me to be able to edit their shows and make a little money on the side for now hopefully i can get it to become something a little bit bigger later on but uh one of these shows was a a Christian show. Man, I wish I knew the name of it off the top of my head, but I just listened to it the first time today. And um, they they were just talking about different backgrounds and coming at things with a teachable spirit kind of deal. You know, mm. they didn't use that exact words, but that was sort of the idea was different backgrounds. And when you approach one another, being able to hear one another and understand that, hey, maybe we're using different terms and mean the same thing. So just ask a lot of questions kind of deal. And it was really fun to get to hear that. And um, hopefully I can be a part of that team and tell you guys more about what that show is later on. All right. And I go next, just so you have plenty of time. It seems like you don't need it. You seem locked (laughs) and ready to go. Uh, But I recently have been blessed with a new job opportunity, and I just don't know if I should take it. I need guidance. I'm upset that this is how I found out about it. You're welcome. (laughs) Why don't we talk outside of the show? I don't know. Hopefully my current general manager doesn't listen to the show. (laughs) That would be a pretty funny way for her to find out. Yeah. uh, In case she, if she does listen, my advice would be to to take the other job offer. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, So, William, do you have a God moment for us this week? I do. I do. This is a a few weeks old, but it's still uh, really a huge thing for our family. Uh, Make a long story short, three years ago, my daughter was very unexpectedly diagnosed with a brain tumor uh, in Mm. the back right side of her brain. Turned out to be a very rare form of cancer. Only about 50 teenagers a year in the world are diagnosed with it. Mm. Uh, So we went through surgery and radiation and treatment, the whole bit. And uh, we've been doing scans at first every three months and then every four months and then every six months to uh, to see if it's growing back because it had a, mm-hmm. a, a shot at regrowing. The, the chance of recurrence in the first three years is about 50%. Mm-hmm. So we've kind of been holding our breaths, you know, and uh, obviously praying every day about this. Um, and a few weeks ago, we went to see her oncology team and they said that she's now outside the three-year window. There's no regrowth. Everything is looking fantastic. Man. And we can now move to one year scans. Uh, Praise God. I know, right? I mean, it's just, it's such a God moment. And I'm still kind of just, I'm still thanking him every day for it because it's just such a big deal for our family. That's awesome. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. 
Uh, quick fun fact. Uh, there are only two animals on Earth that we have not found cancer in. Uh, that's the blue whale and the elephant. And the leading theory is that they are too big to get cancer. Their cells grow too fast. Wow. That is a fascinating theory. Yeah, it's called super cancer. Look it up. Uh, but if you enjoyed this episode, yeah, it's misleading a little. But the idea is that the cancer gets cancer and then it eats itself. But What I heard yeah. is if I just eat enough, I can't get cancer. No. You're already <laughs> doing your best to get there. Oh, man. But if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or an enemy. Uh, you could also share it with a cousin. That is an option. Landlords. Uh, aunts. You know, whoever. Cousins share it with somebody. Though cousins yeah Yeah, i think cousins will usually check out something yeah yeah, that's pretty true if you guys want to hear tj and i talk more but about geekier stuff uh we're doing two episodes this month together on systematic geekology we're going to be reviewing the new jurassic world movie and the new lightyear movie when it comes out so hey be sure to go over to systematicgeekology.org and check those episodes out and just kind of see if you like that show, you know, that's the kind of thing you're into. Right. And remember, you can leave us a five star rating or one star rating. I prefer the one star ratings on Spotify or Apple podcast. That helps us a whole lot. Uh, thank you for listening to the whole church podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Next week, we will interview Chad M. Mansbridge, author of You Can Handle the Truth and pastor of Bayside Church in Southern Australia. After that, we'll be having another roundtable discussion on church hurt. Uh, with Pastor Will Rose, Father Jonathan Resmini, Brandon Knight, and Joe Day. And at the end of season one, we'll have Francis Chan join us. Yeah, he doesn't know that, but he'll figure it out. So he'll be here. He will figure it out. Yeah. Or season one will not end. Uh, Yeah, that's how this goes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening to the Whole Church Podcast. Remember, you can always support our show for $3 a month at patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast. Come back next week for our roundtable discussion about church hurt with Pastor Will Rose, home church leader Joe Day, traveling preacher Brandon Knight, Orthodox priest Jonathan Resmini, and then TJ and I as well. Thank you for listening. <laughs>